message today is entitled, A True Memorial. The Civil War, which ended in the spring of 1865, claimed more lives than any other conflict in U.S. history, 625,000. On May 5, 1868, General John Logan, a leader of an organization for Northern Civil War veterans, called for a nationwide day of remembrance later that month. The 30th of May, 1868, is designated for the purpose of strewing with flowers or decorating the graves of those who died in defense of their country during this Civil War, he stated and whose bodies now lie in almost every city, village, and hamlet churchyard in the land. The date of Decoration Day, as he called it, was chosen because it was not the anniversary of any particular battle. On the first Decoration Day, General James Garfield made a speech at Arlington National Cemetery and 5,000 participants decorated the graves of the 20,000 Union and Confederate soldiers buried there. Decoration Day came to be known as Memorial Day that we remember this weekend. It originally honored only those lost fighting in the Civil War. But during World War I, the holiday evolved to commemorate American military personnel who died in all wars. Thus, this weekend, we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be here today. To further understand the history of a true memorial, we turn to God and see how He has set things in place so that we would remember everything that He has done for us. When Moses and the Israelites finally reached the promised land, through many trials, through many tribulations, through walking to the desert for 40 years, when they finally reached the promised land, God prescribed a very special way for them to enter. We don't often talk about this or study about this. We talk about the time in the desert and the miracles that have happened and the people who wanted to go back. We talk about the promised land. But many times it's forgotten the memorial that was set in place before they could even enter the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 1. It says, Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today. Does God really have to remind us to do what He's already told us to do? Unfortunately, yes. Because we are thick-headed by nature. We forget because we don't make it a priority to remember. God teaches us something very important about a memorial. A memorial is something that we choose to keep on remembering. The more we place it in the front of our minds, the more it affects our lives and changes how we go forward. If you see much of the world today on off course, it's because they've forgotten the lessons that have been learned in the past. It's a choice that we must choose to keep it in our remembrance. In other words, what you take from your past and keep in your present determines how you fare in the future. For example, you can take fear and sadness or forgiveness from a hurt in the past 
And whatever you take away from that event will affect how you face challenges in the future and will determine how your life will change for the future. Psalm 46, verse 1, tells us God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. The key in this verse is that God is transcendent in all time. He is ever-present. It doesn't just mean He's always there for us. It means he is, he is in our past. He is in our present. And He is in our future. God has always encouraged His people to keep Him in remembrance and keep His commands and His teachings on the forefront of our minds and our lives. And so as His chosen people enter the promised land, God makes sure that they keep His commands at their forefront. Deuteronomy 27, verse 2. And it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, not that they earned it, but God gave that to them, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. God makes it simple and to the point. On the day that they enter the promised land, they will know and they will enter knowing that God is the one who gave them the land. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. But God gave it to them because of His great faithfulness. These stones would serve as a memorial attesting to the fact that it was God alone who brought them into the promise. This is a picture of God's grace. The same grace that we receive when we receive Jesus into our lives. There's nothing we can do to earn His grace. None of us deserves His grace. But God gives it to us anyway. Because He promised everlasting life to all who would turn from their sins and turn to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. For it was His ultimate sacrifice that redeems our lives and opens eternity for all those who place their trust in Jesus alone. To make sure that the Israelites remembered how they received this promised land, God had them set up and construct a memorial that would be kept in their faith and set in their memory in three different ways. They would see it, they would hear it, and they would experience it. That's how you keep a memorial alive. Deuteronomy 27, verse 3. God continues, You shall write on these stones all the words of this law when you have crossed over, that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God of your fathers promised you. See, entering into the blessings of the Lord, they must remember to keep His Word on their forefront. It is the only way they will keep the blessings flowing and the only way that they will keep the promise secured. If they think they've got their ticket punch and enter in the land and celebrate, then they've missed it. But they had to keep the memorial, the remembrance, in their minds and in their hearts and through their actions and how they lived. It was more than a suggestion, more than an option or a choice. It was a requirement. Write on them all the words of this law, that you may enter. From the very beginning, God emphasized 
all the words of the law. We see in different places today, different movements in different churches that not all of the Bible is preached. Not all of His truth is shared. Yet God made it important from the very beginning to write all of the words. In that time, that was all the people had. Jesus had not yet been glorified through His resurrection. The Holy Spirit had not yet been given to indwell believers. All they had was the law, the Word of God. They needed every single word from it to stay on the right path. Thanks be to God, we are now in the age of grace. We have God's Word to keep us in His will and guide us and empower us to live godly lives. We have the Holy Spirit infused into our spirit to strengthen us, to lead us, to convict us, to stay on course. But when we fail, and we all do, every one of us, we have grace through God's forgiveness to help us stay in the race. Think of it like this. God's Word is like a steel guardrail alongside a road on a high hill. The railing protects you and keeps you on its narrow path. And yet God's grace is like an ambulance at the bottom of the hill that rescues you if you fall, bandages your wounds, and nurtures you back to health so you can finish your journey. But now imagine having no ambulance and no rescue crew. Your only security is the guardrail. If a piece is missing anywhere along the stretch of road, especially when you need it, you are done. There is no rescuing you. That is what God was trying to emphasize with the Israelites. Every word is important. Their only security was to keep the entirety of His Word in constant remembrance and observance. Deuteronomy 27, verse 4. Therefore, therefore it shall be, when you have crossed over the Jordan, that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. See, as they entered the promised land, they would see God's law written on these large stones, whitewashed with lime. Why whitewashed? Because there had to be a contrast to stand out. There was no shortage of rocks. What keeps one stone from looking like another stone is contrast. There had to be contrast with these large stones inscribed with the Word of God. Otherwise, the truth of God's Word would be nothing more than blurred lines mixed in with political correctness, false teaching, and each person defining their own right and wrong as if truth were subjective. In other words, if there is no contrast, it would be much like the world today where God's eternal truths have been put on trial and questioned by an immoral society and an incompetent jury. Contrast is one of the essential truths of the Lord. The reason why many Christians today are leaving their faith in their God is because they were never taught the biblical principle of contrast. We know that God grants salvation to all who place their trust in Jesus, who forgives them of their sins and offers them a gift of eternal life. 
But it is the rest of the story that is equally as important, that is often not emphasized as much in modern conversions. The rest of the story after salvation is sanctification. It is the contrast of sanctification that keeps us safe and secure in Him. Notice how we see God's intent for sanctifying us. Sanctification means to set us apart from the world. Notice God's intent. The body of Christ, all who have received salvation through Jesus Christ, is what is referred to as the church. It is Christ's desire to sanctify the church for one very important reason. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27, tells us this reason. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. A marriage that follows God's guidelines is given to us as a way to understand how much Christ loved us. Sanctification is the setting apart by God to prepare us for eternity with Him. The truth is that Jesus wants the very best. And so He sanctifies us to prepare us for eternity with Him. He chose us not because of our current condition, but because of how He sees us when the sanctification is complete. He desires to wash us and to cleanse us with the Word. Do we need to be cleansed? You bet we do. He believes in us. He believes in you. Even if you don't believe in yourself, He has sanctified and set you apart to become glorious for Him. He believes in each and every one of you. But this will take a continual washing of water by the Word. Living in this world has made us dirty. All of us. Absorbing the false teaching of others has made us unclean. Following the desires of our flesh and sinful nature has covered us in filth. But God looks through all of that and sees your heart. He sees your willingness. Because He transcends all time, He sees you at the completion of your sanctification process where you stand out from the world. We may be in the world, but we are not of the world. Because of the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are all in the process of becoming sanctified, set apart for the King of the universe. Contrast is everything to God. In fact, a true house of worship should be a contrast from the world. In an attempt to attract more people, some modern churches have adorned themselves to look more like the world. They have lost the reverence and the focus on Jesus. In fact, some modern churches don't even portray the cross. In an attempt to draw bigger crowds, they have lost their contrast and the power of the Spirit to convict heart that they might change and realize that we need Jesus instead of just to try Jesus. The fact is we all need Jesus. 
What they don't realize is that if a church looks just like the world, people eventually reason within themselves that they can find the same amusement or the same gratification in the world. Why? Because there is no contrast. Jesus Christ came into this world to be our contrast. He is the light in the darkness. He is the peace in the middle of the storm. He is the answer to our problem of sin. Because we have all sinned, we all face a consequence. Yet Jesus now gives us a choice if we would receive it. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we confess our sins and acknowledge our need for a Savior, we simply have to accept Christ's gift of salvation to receive contrast from the world. By following God, the Israelites learned the importance of contrast from the world. Crossing over the Jordan into the promised land, the Israelites would honor the Lord through this memorial. Deuteronomy 27, verses 5 and 6. And there, after crossing the Jordan, entering into the promised land, there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. Notice that they would not build a statue to commemorate this event. They would build an altar. The main point of an altar is to be the place where a sacrifice is offered. The Israelites knew full well the connection between sacrifice and an altar. Verse 7, You shall offer peace offerings and you shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. Burnt offerings and peace offerings at the same place. Perfect sacrifice and perfect peace were realized at the altar that God offered when we received that sacrificial offering. The altar of our faith was the cross of Jesus where the perfect sacrifice was offered so that we could have perfect peace. Verse 8, And you shall write very plainly on the stone all the words of the law. Orders are given that it would be written very plainly so that people could see and understand. The Word of God needs not to be set off by the art of man, nor embellished with enticing words of man's wisdom. The Word of God stands alone. Writing on stone was a practice instituted by God when He inscribed the Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone for Moses to share with the people. And God is like a master chess player, always setting up His next move. He doesn't just act arbitrarily. Every move He makes is connected to His purpose to redeem His children, to redeem all of us. This writing on the stones would demonstrate God's continuing commands for us to write upon different tablets. Proverbs 3, verse 3. Do not let grace and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. God instructs us to keep His Word ever close to us by writing a balance of His Word. Grace 
and truth on the tablets of our hearts. In order for this to be done, God had to change the surface of the tablets. Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. It is His Holy Spirit living inside of us that preserves His Word in grace and in truth so that we can live redeemed lives for His glory. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3, You are a letter of Christ, inscribed not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on stone tablets, but on tablets of human hearts. Through the power of Christ, we now carry the true memorial in our hearts wherever we go if we keep Him in remembrance. As the Israelites inscribed those first large stones with the law, God being ever-present in time, remember that, He is our ever-present help, as they prescribed those words, God saw His people standing victorious, even today, set apart with His Word engraved on our hearts. It is His Word in your heart that gives you the victory that propels you through your peril, that empowers you to rise from defeat, that allows you to stand in the midst of your storm because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Deuteronomy 27, verse 9, Then Moses and the priests and the Levites spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel, this day you have become the people of the Lord your God. A transformation had taken place. Not by their doing, but by God's doing. Verse 10, Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe His commandments and His statutes which I command you today. While they had indeed received the promised land, they would have to keep obeying the voice of the Lord. Keep Him in remembrance if they wanted to keep it. The promised land was more than a one-time event. They had to keep working on it and persevering to stay close to God. It is the same way that God keeps us as we continue to persevere Him. Philippians 2.12 Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. To observe meant a continual remembrance. Just as we continue to seek the Lord and keeping our reverence for Him. The way we continue to do this is by staying in His Word and continually observing His commands. And when we fail, and we all do, we take advantage of His grace, we repent and come to Him, and God lifts us back up and restores us again. Verse 11 and 12. And Moses commanded the people on that same day when they entered the Promised Land, saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. When you have crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. You see, half of the tribes, half of the people stood on one side and shouted out the blessings to the people as they passed. That they would follow it if they obeyed the voice of the Lord. Verse 13, And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse 
Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. The other half of them stood on the opposite mountain and shouted out the curses or the negative consequences that they would reap if they chose not to follow the commands of the Lord. You see what this is? It's a balance of grace and truth. They could see it. They could hear it. They could experience it. That was their memorial when they walked into land to be reminded of the blessings if they obeyed or the curses if they disobeyed. A balance of grace and truth. Indeed, this was a proper memorial instituted by God that preserves the heart of His people. Today, we stand as representatives of Christ to the world. We are not perfect, but we choose to align ourselves with the One who is and always will be. Our devotion to Jesus stands out as that line of separation, the contrast from the world. This is what we hold dear in our hearts and forever keep in our remembrance. We must continue to point people to the cross, not just in our words, but in how we live and how we forgive and how we are never ashamed of our faith and our Lord and our heritage in Christ. This is how we remain a true and living memorial for God. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. It is ever endearing. We pray, God, that You would cause us to keep You in remembrance every day, every minute of every day, in our words, in our actions, in our reactions, and are willing to be an example for You, to be a light for You. Lord God, we thank You for the sacrifice that You have made for us. We thank You for the sacrifices of many men and women that we can continue to worship You and have the freedom to seek You. Lord God, help us to keep the remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our hearts at all times. We ask You to bless us, Lord God, as we continue to lean on You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.